time once again. Welcome to Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. This program is, of course, produced by Vets for Vets. Our mission is simple, to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest area veterans, active service members, and their families. Tonight, we'll meet Gavin Walters, Program Manager of the new Ulster County Vet to Vet Office in Kingston. Vet to Vet is a peer counseling agency based upon the premise that the best person to talk to a vet about their unique issues is another vet. Gavin will also tell us about their Walk a Mile in My Shoes event, a long walk from Kingston to Albany, 56 miles in 22 hours. And Tanya Woods gets around. As an Army spouse, Tanya has lived in many places on many bases. The demands of everyday duty and deployments are tough on military families. And that's why United Through Reading is so important. This program allows active military members and veterans to make video recordings of themselves reading their favorite books to their loved ones, regardless of where they are in the world. But first, here are your dates of significance for September. September 11th, 2020 is Patriot Day. Patriot Day is the annual observance on September 11 to commemorate those who were injured or lost their lives during the terrorist attacks on the United States, September 11, 2001. September 18th is the United States Air Force birthday. September 18th is also POW MIA Recognition Day. This time set aside to remember those who were prisoners of war or those who are missing in action, as well as their families. And September 27th is Gold Star Mother's Day and Families Day, a day set aside to honor the families of our nation's fallen service members. You know, September is a pivotal month. It's essentially the end of summer and the beginning of a beautiful quiet time here in the Catskills, the Hudson Valley, and northeastern Pennsylvania. September 11, 2001 was a remarkably clear day in New York. I remember thinking how absolutely beautiful, clear, and blue the sky was that morning on my way to my office. At 8.46, that all changed as Flight 11 hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. The September 11th attacks were a series of four coordinated terrorist attacks by Al-Qaeda against the United States. These attacks resulted in 2,977 fatalities, over 25,000 injuries, and substantial long-term health consequences, in addition to at least $10 billion in infrastructure and property damage. 9-11 remains the single deadliest terror attack in human history and the single deadliest incident for firefighters and law enforcement officers in the history of the United States. In fact, 343 New York firefighters and 72 law enforcement personnel died that day running toward the danger to protect those in harm's way. The United States responded by launching the war on terror and invading Afghanistan to depose the Taliban, which had failed to comply with U.S. demands to expel al-Qaeda from Afghanistan and extradite their leader, Osama bin Laden. And so yet another deployment began for our brave fighting men and women. 
While we reflect on 9-11 amid the fog of the pandemic, the contentious squabbling of our elected officials, massive civil unrest and domestic terrorism that is plaguing so many of our cities, the tragic events of this past summer weigh heavily on our national conscience. And once again, the subject of our conversation turns to racial injustice. More than anyone else, our men and women in uniform have fought, suffered untold injuries to body and soul, and in some cases given their last full measure in defense of our country and our Constitution. For the moment, we can still enjoy the freedoms our military has fought to preserve. One of the most coveted of these fundamental freedoms is our First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. It is indeed unfortunate that our First Amendment rights and the legitimate grievances of peaceful protesters throughout the country have been co-opted by those who can only be described as domestic terrorists. The systematic orchestration of what on the surface appears to be unorganized chaos is brilliant if you think about it, but make no mistake, there's a highly organized effort afoot not to simply petition the government for redress of grievances, but rather to use these tragic events, legitimate complaints, and the sorrow of grieving families as camouflage to fundamentally transform this country to a vision which is exclusive of many of our constitutional rights. So never forget that the forces at work in this country, sowing the seeds of discontent, division, suspicion, and doubt, are every bit as dangerous as those who struck us on 9-11. It's way past time for the Department of Justice to delve deeply into these organizations behind this orchestrated chaos and those financing these anarchists. If I had the magical power, I'd select some of these brave quote-unquote demonstrators and transport them back in time to, say, the trenches of World War I, or perhaps the beaches at Normandy. The Chosen Reservoir in Korea comes to mind, and certainly the jungles of Vietnam, right? The sands of Afghanistan and Iraq, so that they could show us how really brave they are without the camouflage of legitimate protest, the anonymity of masks or hoods, and the dark of night. I suspect that their scripted rhetoric might change dramatically to, I want my mommy. Also, make sure you vote in November, and if you do vote by mail, take precaution to ensure that your vote counts and is not co-opted or discarded before it can be registered. If you are unable or reluctant to physically go to your polling place, make sure you rely only on those you know and trust to help you cast your vote. And by all means, check with your Board of Election to be sure your vote has been counted. The Ulster County Joseph P. Dwyer Vet to Vet Center is a safe space where veterans can discuss their unique issues with peer counselors and advocates or simply hang out with other vets. Gavin Walters is the program manager and as you will learn much more. So 
Welcome, Gavin Walters. Thank you for having me. Tell us first about the new office, sorely needed in the Kingston area. Where are you? How do folks get in touch? We are located at 300 Enterprise Drive in Kingston. It's right in Tech City. If you come down on Enterprise Drive from 9W, uh, right when you see the overpass, we're right on the right side. And if you come from 208, we're on the left side. The office, which is pretty amazing, is very welcoming. On our walls, we have artwork from many veterans. The facility is welcome to the community as well. Uh, once you step in, you see history of just service members. And as you walk through the halls and you come to the common area, you have computers, uh, we have a television, and we have, uh, I'll say, a nice <laughs> two couch that uh, everybody enjoys when you just sit in it. It's very welcoming. Um, we try to make this environment as warm as possible, very inviting, and we encourage everybody to just come out whenever they can. So you actually have, for want of a better term, a day room for the guys, huh, and girls? Yes. So the premise of vet to vet is peer-to-peer counseling because yes. nobody understands a vet like another vet, right? That's correct. Okay, so talk to us about the services and programs that you guys offer. Talk to us about the process if somebody comes to you with a problem. Um, the Joseph P. Dwyer Veteran Peer Support Project uh, started, uh, I'll say, from an unfortunate event, but it's led to a lot of positive movement. Uh, Joseph P. Dwyer was a combat medic in the Army. Uh, if you Google his name, you you can see him. Um, I believe he was in the uh, Iraq, and there was a conflict where he uh, is uh, photographed uh, running with a young boy that was, uh, I believe, wounded. Um, so that image carried uh, uh, him with, I'll say, a lot of um, attention. And a lot of things that happen to many veterans is that, you know, when we're photographed in these great moments, there are those stories behind those great moments. So for Joseph, when he came back, there's uh, two stories from the Times and uh, NBC, I believe, or MSNBC, that explain uh, his story of like what happened, why he joined. And during his time when he exit, he experienced a lot of things that many of us do experience. He was uh, addicted to aerosol and a few other things. So from that, it led to an unfortunate uh, accidental uh, overdose and he passed away. And what's really important about that is just the significant fact of, you know, being supported during your time of need, uh, having family, having friends, especially having peers that's been in the military that could um, help you during your time of need. And unfortunately, at that time, I won't say he didn't have any support, but uh, it just led to one point of where he didn't have the full support that he needed, and it led to that unfortunate accident. And from that, in 2012, they started a pilot program with the Suffolk County United Veterans Program and the Suffolk County Veterans Service Agency. And they saw that the success of it, which led to, I believe, 25 other programs within New York State. And Ulster County and Sullivan became two more recipients for this year to receive the uh, Joseph P. Dwyer Veteran Peer Support Project. And when a veteran do reach out to us, uh, they're able to speak to veteran peers. Um, they're able to come to our office and just talk. We do not discriminate against discharge status, whether it's OTH, disarmable, whatever it is, we invite them to come in. This is a human connection. So we ask everyone if when you come in, 
you know, just be yourself. If you want to shoot the breeze, shoot the breeze. If you want time to just sit sit on the side where we have a room where we encourage everyone, if you just want to be alone, you know, sit in there, process whatever you're processing, come out and just, um, you know, hang with us. A lot of things that veterans do go through, you know, is the PTSD. So when you do come here and you're going through a situation, you can sit with us. You don't have to speak to, about your problem, but if you just want to uh, speak about whatever, we encourage that. I know that from studying some of this and doing the number of interviews I've done for Let's Talk Vets, yeah. that veterans are reluctant to come forward uh, when they have these problems for a whole myriad of reasons. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you guys try to do some outreach, maybe social media, maybe some speaking, maybe... Um, you, veteran service office and other entities in the Kingston area that deal with vets know about you guys and, and refer vets to you? Uh, yes, and we are attempting to do that. And because of COVID, we have been limited with how we've been trying to uh, get up and let the community know. So one of the things, if COVID wasn't here, we would actually be on the ground uh, doing outreach, speaking to VFWs, legions, just speaking to the community to let them know, hey, we're here, uh, we're here to support you, we're here to advocate for you, here to help you, whatever situation. So right now we've been, I guess, tweaking how we could at least be in the community, being able to make sure that the veterans know that we're here in um, Ulster County. So it's it's been a process, but it's been, I'll say, a very productive and positive process because we're working with the Ulster County VSA. We're working with MHA. We're working with a lot of organizations within the communities that have already been a stakeholder that is letting the veteran community know that, hey, you know, vet to vet is here, reach out to them, um, see how they could help you in whatever situation. Yeah, I know from uh, an interview I did recently with Bill Forte, I think you probably know him, that there's a lot of interagency cooperation in the Kingston area. Am mm -hmm. I correct? For I mean, veteran services and uh, VFWs and uh, the CBs, and uh, he filled me in on all that. And I think it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable because yeah. together you can do a lot more than you can alone. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing um, I'll definitely say is that when you just bring a bunch of veterans and community together, it's, it becomes big and large. And we see it from just these other, other counties, such as Orange, Dutchess, so many other counties that show that representation. And that's what's also happened in Ulster County, where we have a strong force of supporters and advocates willing to sit down and say, what can we do? How can we help? Where should we start? And, that, and that's where it starts with that dialogue and just trying to figure out the puzzle pieces to put everything together. So how did you get involved in this? Um, so my story starts from actually attempting to finish uh, my social work degree for, I think, several years now. I'm still battling with my own personal issues with PTSD, depression, and some other things, and it, it hindered me from finishing school. So after my third attempt to finish my graduate degree, I was able to meet a lot of wonderful people and also work at SSVF, I was able to meet Larry Newman in Orange County with the Vet to Vet program and just seeing how resourceful they've been, it just kept me uh, connected with like what's been in the community. And in the process of finishing my degree, I was able to intern at the 
Hudson Valley VA. And I always give praise to my field instructor, Mary Baker, who's, who encouraged me through the whole process of being there. And she referred me to um, a program that was having a training. And from there, I met someone <laughs> Uh, that was connected to the um, military community, and they introduced me to Kevin Keevney, who has been, I think, one of the biggest pillars in Ulster County with Hudson Valley Center for Veteran Reintegration. When I met him for, I think, 30 minutes, we just connected, and he was already starting that process with the Vet to Vet program, and he um, helped me step in to help him. And from there, we just we started that connection that put me in the position to um, become the program manager. Well, he's a remarkable gentleman as well. I met him at the Veterans Resource Fair in Ellenville, and it was uh, pretty amazing what he does because I'm a woodworker, a cabinet maker, if you will. That's my hobby, and seeing the stuff. And I actually just looked at the website, and I encourage our, our listeners to, to do that. It's the Hudson Valley Center for Veterans Reintegration, correct? That's correct. So you can look at that website, and I'll tell you what. There's some fine workmanship on display there. <laughs> absolutely. Really absolutely. good. I, I think it really brings out the craftsmanship in everyone. And uh, even though I haven't built a kayak, it actually inspired me to go home and build a stairs off my deck, uh, a eight flight stairs <laughs> off my deck by myself. And the process was pretty fun. And, and that's what it does. You know, it, it encourages us to just do things and be able to just bring out these skills and talents that we have, hidden talents, I'll say, that we have that um, once we start doing stuff, it just comes naturally. Well, and you lose yourself in the project as well, and I think that helps, right? Yes, absolutely. Because one of the big things is uh, vets returning home. Just if you're in extended military deployment or if you're just in the military for a long time, uh, coming back to the civilian world, things have changed a lot. Now add in PTSI and uh, or TBI or some you know traumatic physical problem. You had a, a, a leg, you lost a leg or an arm or something like that, yeah. and it's it can be very very daunting. So you have to kind of reestablish uh, yourself and rebuild your identity and um, your self-esteem and the rest of it. Okay, so Gavin, I know that you had a very special event on the 31st and that uh, your organization put together Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Just give us a 10,000-foot overview of what this event was. It was about building awareness, building community support, advocacy, um, allowing the veteran community to know that they are supported through police departments. And I say community so much times because Buddha Hall walked, the community honked at us, they, they um, cheered, um, they came out and clapped, um, they walked with us along the way. So it was a lot of support uh, from the Girl Scouts, the, the fire department, the uh, ambulance corps, it was amazing. So this walk was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 56 miles? It, yes, that is correct. It was 56 miles. And you set a time uh, to complete it in 22 hours. And, and as I understand, you almost hit that right on the, right on the head. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could have, I think, probably got there earlier, but we made a, 
unexpected pit stop at Coyman's Fire Department. They reached out to us the night before and said that if we have any time to just stop by because they were going to have water and we could use their facilities. And it actually worked out perfect, that unscheduled stop, because along the way, uh, there was one time we couldn't have used the bathroom at Cumberland Farms and uh, we had to use the sheriff department facilities. So that one stop really helped everybody. And I think it was a great pick me up because they had their fire truck out and the American flag was hanging off the ladder. So just seeing that, it was just amazing. And that was around three, four or five o'clock in the morning. So you, you could have completed the walk in 24 hours. You could have completed it in uh, 20. What's yeah. the significance of 22? The significance behind 22 is representation of the veterans that unfortunately uh, take their own life due to suicide. It's also representation of what veterans and service members go through through their day. And the symbolism behind it is as we're walking, we're, we're experiencing mental and physical challenge through the whole walk. And we were up for over 24 hours because, you know, to prepare and then get the, at the beginning, it w was hours before um, the 22 hours. And it's a grueling task that many of us go through. And there's times when we can't even find support when we don't know who to speak to. Also, the representation behind the walk was that we all were able to support one another. The police department uh, kept us safe the whole way. They uh, blocked traffic. They were in our back. They were in our front. The ambulance corps was there. The support vehicles was there. So it's about the support that you can receive when you're going through an ordeal that sometimes affects you personally. So it's a, it's a representation of so many levels, but the most important thing is knowing that you're supported along the way. And that uh, really is the primary focus of the Joseph P. DeWire Vet to Vet organization that you manage in Kingston. Yes, absolutely. And there's a lot to that. I mean, vets will open up to vets before they'll open up to someone who is not a vet, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And you have, uh, from my understanding, uh, created a very welcoming atmosphere down there. And uh, yes. so we applaud you and uh, your partner in crime, Mr. Keveny, yes, <laughs> for the efforts that you're doing at Vet to Vet and what he's doing with the reintegration group. Okay, so you went through 12 towns and cities ending in Albany. Yeah. Did everything yes, go according to your route plan? It actually, from my perspective, it did. The police support that followed us the whole entire trip from uh, Green County, Ulster County to Albany, state troopers, local PD, sheriff, they were all with us. So just being, I'll say safe was like the, my, my key uh, in everything. I want to make sure everybody was safe, everybody felt secured, nothing was going to happen. So that was great. The logistical part, just having the breaks along the way, there's always room for improvement, which was, I think, just based on our first year, it went pretty well. And we were able to stop at locations, all the locations that we set. There, that little unexpected stop was a, a more of a positive than a negative because it allowed us to uh, meet the Coyman's Fire Department, who is a great advocate for the veteran community. They want to send support, too. When Kevin actually kayaks down from us and they want to help escort him. So it's about building that community relationship and be able to just network and talk to others. So the whole logistical part of just going up was just amazing. If somebody wants to support 
your group or the walk after the fact. If they want to make a uh, monetary donation or some other form of support, what can they do? Who should they call? Yes. So the web page is vet2vet.hvcvr.org. And that is our um, website that we're still developing. We have the platform for the walk and all the information there. So if anybody wants to go there and just press the donate button, then they could donate from there. Okay, Gavin, what were some of the lessons that you learned? Um, well, I'll definitely tell you, it's a physical and mental challenge. So during the walk, you you actually will get into your own thoughts. So one of the things that I did learn was just the community support. Being there, I think, really made the element of just traveling up really uh, successful. And also the camaraderie between everybody supporting one another, asking how they're doing, checking in on each other, seeing if everyone was okay. If you can't do this, then, you know, sit in the van, you you know, you could do the, the other part. So it's just, it was about the community. It was about the support. It was just, it was so many levels of just being present with one another talking to one another, speaking to one another. Our youngest walker was 16. So he's experienced the camaraderie of, you know, just veterans coming together and being able to uh, go through a whole walk, supporting one another. And overall, the experience was amazing. So how many people started from Kingston at, uh, I believe it was, 11:59 on the 31st just before noontime and yeah. how many people ended up in Albany and how many people did you pick up along the way um so we had a large crowd stepping off probably around either 20 to 25 um and along the way um every, people usually would walk up to the five mile mark where we stopped over at the town of Ulster line and then um, when we got to Sargates, um, some people stepped off when we got to Diaz Ambulance Corps. And then along the way, we had our set group that was that committed to the walk, which was um, 15 in total because we're caught. The support crew actually came out and walked with us. So that was a big encouragement. And um, so it was 15 altogether that took the trek all the way up. Fantastic uh, event. Uh, yes. Walk a mile in my shoes and the... Yes. I would say your mission was accomplished to raise awareness to the sacrifices that uh, all veterans make in some form or another. Yes. And uh, so that they understand when they meet a vet what might be behind those eyes. Thank you for having me. This is WJFF Jeffersonville, and you're listening to Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Serving in the U.S. military has never been easy. Separation from loved ones has always been part of military life. Long deployments can be especially devastating on children who don't always understand why daddy or mommy isn't there when they need them. To make matters worse, returning parents often have to build or rebuild relationships with their children. United Through Reading allows a service member or a vet to make personalized video recordings of themselves 
reading books to their loved ones from virtually any place on the globe. Tanya Woods is a military spouse who knows only too well what separation feels like and how UTR makes a huge difference. Well, I'd like to welcome you, Tanya, to uh, Let's Talk Vets on WJFF. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. United Through Reading is uh, an elegantly simple solution to let veterans stay connected with their families regardless of where they are in the world. So let's start with you. Tell us your story as a military spouse. Sure. So my husband and I um, are coming up on 12 years of marriage, actually, in October. And thanks to the military, we've had the privilege of living in several states and traveling the world, not the world, the, the country. We have two little boys, a nine-year-old and soon-to-be eight-year-old. And so through moving and experiencing new places, it also comes with meeting new people, new friends, but also having to say goodbye to those new friends and new places. And unfortunately, our family members as well. When my husband and I got together, uh, he had already been in the military for a few years and um, was actually deploying when we decided to to make it official that we wanted to be together. And so um, he was deployed for about 16 months or so. He was extended. And when he came back, I was living in Pennsylvania and he was uh, actually stationed up in Alaska. And then uh, he uh, picked up to do the green to gold program. So he went from the enlisted side to the officer side and was doing his school here in Pennsylvania. So we were able to be together. Uh, he, he did his schooling. We got married and we moved down to Alabama where he was a Black Hawk pilot, uh, you know, going through the classes and training. And when that finished, we actually moved back to Alaska. And that's where both of my boys were born. And then we moved down to Arizona and spent uh, six months there for a class. And then we went back to Alaska, uh, but to, instead of Fort Wainwright up in uh, Fairbanks, the North Pole area, we were down at Jay Bear, which is in the Anchorage area, spent a year there and then went back up to Fort Wainwright. And um, after our few years there, he did deploy and said, you know, I, I don't want to do the active duty side of things anymore. I'd like to make the switch to the reserve side of things. So we left Alaska and we moved to Pennsylvania and he was in the reserves and was attached to Fort Dix. And after about a year of doing that, he was picked up for AGR. So we are now officially living here in New Jersey at Fort Dix and he is an AGR officer. So that's us start to finish. What did you think of Alaska? We absolutely loved it. We were there for about seven years total, and uh, the entire family was very sad to leave. In fact, we're kind of counting down the seasons until we can move back. You know, we like to be outside and experience everything. And, you know, the Army bases, in addition to the towns that surrounded them, did an amazing job of having activities year-round to really get folks out and engaged in the community. So you didn't really have a reason unless you wanted to, to stay home. You know, there was something to do at least every weekend, if not every day of the week. So, you know, it, it did get a little cold. But, you know, you dress in layers and you go out and you enjoy it and, and do sports. We did cross-country skiing. We did a lot of hiking. Football's not really a thing up there. So uh, we 
got introduced to ice hockey and my kids absolutely love it. You know, we got to support the local team. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, we were actually talking about maybe next summer going back to visit. We went last year. And so hoping to go back and visit uh, before we can move back. You do get around. We try. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly is United Through Reading? We'll start with how I got involved first, because that's how I learned about it. Um, when we were up in Alaska, my husband was the company commander, and by default, I was the FRG leader, now known as the SFRG, so Soldier and Family Readiness Group. And during one of our meetings, one of the spouses approached me, and she said to me, have you ever heard of United Through Reading? And I said, well, no, I haven't. And she said, oh, a friend of mine is doing it, and I know that you enjoy reading with your boys, and I know that you love free books. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library was very big up there, and so I would always tell new spouses about it, and I said, well, you're right on both of those accounts. I love, we love to read, and we love free books, so she introduced me to her contact, um, her friend, which is now my coworker Molly Haskin, and, you know, got to learn about the program, so the gist of it is that it allows our service members a way to stay connected with the important children in their lives. And it's done through the read aloud experience. And what we do is depending on the location that a service member goes to, they video record themselves reading. And we can put those recordings on an SD card if they were to use a laptop or a camcorder. Or we now have an app available that allows a service member and a veteran to use their own personal device. And it could be their smartphone or a tablet and they can record absolutely anywhere that they are because that's the beauty you know with your smartphone and your tablets is you can take them anywhere you go and you can make those recordings so after a service member or a veteran reads a book and they record themselves reading they're able to send that recording to the child or children that they've read for and then the children get the copy of the book that was read you know when we talk about it a lot of times when you think about military and why would someone want to read and stay connected? You know, you think about separation and deployment comes to mind. And that's actually kind of how we got started. You know, back in 1989, the wife of a naval flight surgeon noticed that when her husband came home, their daughter didn't know who he was. And, you know, kind of that stranger danger came into effect and I don't know you. And, you know, that it, that wasn't just a thing in 1989. It obviously happened before that. And it still happens to this day because deployments go on for a while. The spouse was actually a reading specialist. And so she knew how important it was, you know, to have kids read and to be exposed to that. And so she would go down and record the service members as they were getting set to deploy um, would record them reading a book and then she'd give that recording in the book to the children so they could watch it while their service member was away. We use that same concept that she started all those years ago. The one difference is now we're not just for deployment. You know, uh, service members will still have to go to the field for exercises. They still have all their trainings. TDY, sometimes they go without their loved ones or for our National Guard and Reserve. They have their drill weekends that they're taken away for. But, you know, there's also the third shift workers, and that's both for our Guard and Reserve on the civilian side, but also our service members, you know, who maybe are MPs who are working the gates and stuff like that. You know, it's a great way to stay connected because the military is not predictable and there's going to be times where the phone call comes in that, hey, I, I got called in to work late and I'm not going to make it home. But, you know, it's not just a service member's own children 
They can also read a book for their niece or a nephew or a younger sibling or their grandchild, their godchild. There's a family friend that they like on the civilian side of things for our Guard Reserve. Maybe they're a teacher and they want to read for their classroom. So United Reading is a way that a service member and a veteran can just stay connected with any child that they know at any time, regardless of what's going on in their life. So this actually gets uploaded into the cloud, I guess, and then the, uh, they get a link to download it. Is that correct? In a sense, yep. So when they're using the app, they will make the recording and then... Um, on a Wi-Fi connection, they're going to upload the recording. And so it's not available to watch on their device in the app. What happens is it goes to a personalized website. So they'll log into utrapp.org and they'll sign in. And then all the stories that have been sent to them specifically are right there in their story library. And from there, the family who's watching it can choose to watch it from the website or they can download it to their laptop or to a tablet or maybe a friend's laptop. So it can be downloaded more than once and on more than one device. We use the platform ID.me to verify the military service. And so a lot of folks will say, oh yeah, I used this, you know, when I went to the VA, I used ID.me to log in or I, I do some shopping online and that's how I verify that I'm military to get the discounts or, you know, Vetix was really popular before COVID hit and you know, people could use that to get discounted tickets. So that's the same platform that we use to verify they have that military affiliation. And then when you go to view your recordings, same thing, you use that same information to log into your account. What's really cool in using that, you know, as I said, you can read for anybody. So if my husband wanted to read a book for my brother's children, my brother's not military affiliated, so he wasn't able to see those recordings unless I were to download and then send them to him. So we came up with a great workaround that there's now the login for ID.me for our service members, veterans, and their spouses, but also the non-military affiliated. So they can still create an account to view their story library. You know, they can't go shopping online and get a military discount or, you know, use the app, but they're allowed to see those recordings. And what's great is, you know, same thing with our program. After they've recorded the story and it's been uploaded, if a service member or veteran cannot hand deliver the book that they've read for that child, they can ask us to mail a book. So if my husband were to read to my brother who's living up in New Hampshire, we can request that a, a duplicate copy of that book gets mailed so that we don't have to do any of the legwork. We eliminate that for our service members and our veterans and we take care of it so that everyone's able to stay connected. So take us through the process. What do you do? And as a veteran, how do I prove that, uh, you know, I was in military service? Obviously, if we were face-to-face, -face, I'd show you my DD-214. But uh, exactly. so what, what do we do? So, and that's a, gr a great question. So as I said, we do verify through the ID.me process. You know, if you've got an Android device, you go into Google Play, you got um, an iPhone, go into the App Store. So from there, you'll look for United Through Reading. And um, when you see our book logo, you'll go ahead and get the app. And like I said, it is free. It's a free and secure download. So once you've got the app on your phone, you're gonna wanna create an account. So if you've ever used ID.me before, you're going to use that exact same login username and password, and then you're good to go. But if you've never used it before, then you need to create the account. You need to verify. You can verify that if you have USAA, 
or um, the government service records. So if you served after 1985, it's all been digitized. If you were before that, that's when you're going to need your DD-214, which my father-in-law had to use, but really easy to fill in with that information for our service members. They can also verify it with their .mil email address. I'm already enrolled in the VA. So, so then there's a very good chance that you've used that ID.me platform before, and so you're going to use that same information. It's going to be the same email you used and the same password. Got it. Well, I think it's pretty cool that, um, you know, not only the whole concept of being able to do this, but it's really cool to be able to read a book and then have a book, you know, the book that you're reading sent to the person that you're going to read to. You know, the cool thing about United Reading is we have over 200 recording sites worldwide. You know, I said before that a service member or a veteran could go in and we could make the recording with a camcorder or a laptop, put in an SD card, but then we have the app. So if you were going to one of those recording sites, you know, we give you the book to read. And then again, you know, you can request the book afterwards. But with the app, there might be a time that, especially with our National Guard, our Reserve, or even our veterans, that they're not living near a military installation or they're not near one of our recording sites. So they want to read, but maybe they don't have a lot of children's books on hand. Like I said, my father-in-law does use this program and they do have some children's books. You know, sometimes um, if we are outgrowing them or I just want to have some there for when we go up to visit, but he may not have a lot on hand. A service member or a veteran can actually go to our website, um, utr.org backslash app, and they can fill out a form to request the book. So it's the same form that they're going to fill out after they make the recording, but they can ask us to mail it to them before the recording is made. So again, you're at a place where you're not close to a recording site and you don't have a lot of books at home in your personal library. You can ask us to mail that book to you so that you have one that you can go ahead and record. So we're happy to send it before you make the recording, and then we're happy to send it to the child after the recording has been made. So those those sites where uh, members, military members can go on base and different military installations, they're called the story stations, is that correct? They are, yes, you're exactly right. The recording sites, and they look a, a couple different ways. We have an embedded story station. So that is with a particular military unit and it's something that's offered to their service members. And when they get ready to deploy, they have everything that they need, the recording equipment and the books, and they take it with them and they don't have to worry about finding a site. And then we have our permanent recording stations. So those are what you'll find on a military installation. So um, here at Fort Dix, at the library, we have a recording site. At the Red Cross house, we have a recording site. And then, um, because I live here, I'm also available if anyone were to need me. And then we have our pop-up recording sites. And so those are fun. And I kind of categorize that, like, um, think to the book, The Cat in the Hat, when he comes in with his box of fun. Um, I bring everything to the event. So maybe United Through Reading staff member or volunteer is attending a Yellow Ribbon event, which is for our National Guard and Reserve Service members, or maybe we're invited to a company's Family Day event or AUSA or a Mill Spouse Fest, you know, something happening in the community. We bring absolutely everything that's needed. We bring our equipment, we bring all the books, we bring the backdrops, we set up a recording room, and folks come in and they make the recordings, they get to keep the recordings, they keep their books, and when the event wraps, just like the cat in the hat, we pack it all in and we take it out, 
and you never know we were there. So that's a really fun event that we do. And then the third recording site is, or the fourth, I'm sorry, is um, our mobile story station. And so the mobile story station is located in the San Diego area of California. It's kind of like a really nice van that we we redid. And so the inside, it was remodeled to look like a miniature living room. There's a really comfortable chair. There's a bookcase with a bunch of books and there's recording equipment available. So a service member and veteran can go in there, make the recording right there on the spot. And so we'll drive that around to different events or on different military installations and just kind of park it there. And then the final recording or story station is the mobile app. And we do call it a story station because it's a place you're able to make a recording. And that can be in your house. It could be in your backyard. It could be at a hotel while you travel. Um, it's anywhere that you are. So it's, it's a mobile because it goes wherever you go. It's a fascinating concept. And uh... It's something that's so simple but so elegant to keep uh, folks connected wherever they are in the world and, and very personal to boot. So I applaud your efforts to that and everybody that works for United Through Reading. How can folks uh, contact your organization, get started? Uh, do you take donations? So if anyone is interested in learning more about the program, our website is utr.org. Um, if you wanted to type out unitedthroughreading.org, you certainly could, but, you know, we, we do, the abbreviation does work. And if someone wanted to learn more about the app, um, like I said, it's utr.org and then put that backslash app in there. So the website gives you a walkthrough for our service members, for our, our family members, kind of the history of who we are um, from there. You can find the books that we have. We've got over 100 books available on our drop-down menu. What's really cool is the books range from board books all the way through chapter books, so something for every age and stage of a child's life. So if they're interested in learning more about it, they can go right to our website if they want to get started with Unite Through Reading, depending on what they're interested in. You know, the website will walk them through how to use the app. From there, they can also find where our recording stations are throughout the world. If they want to volunteer with us, there is a section there for how to volunteer, and they'll fill out a volunteer interest form that will come to us. If they have questions, they can send an email to info at utr.org. We're on the social media pages, so we're, we're on Facebook, we're on um, Twitter and Instagram, so kind of all over the place. And then, you know, you did ask about the book donations. So we don't take, um, you know, a lot of times folks will be like, oh, I'm cleaning out my closets. I'm going through my old books. I'd like to donate them. So we don't take used books. What's really cool about the program is every book that we distribute to our military members and their families, they're a brand new book. We don't take the used books, but we do, um, if anyone is interested, you know, you can plan a virtual fundraiser or book give. And so we have um, someone who handles that and walks someone through the process start to finish and how to go about doing that. So lots of ways to get involved or, or um, use the program. Tanya Wood, thank you again for your service and for what you're doing for active duty members and our veterans. United Through Reading. Thank you, Tanya. You are most welcome. Thank you for having me. Our sincere thanks to Gavin Walters, program manager at Ulster County vet to vet in Kingston, and to Tanya Woods with United Through Reading. And of course, to you for joining us once again. 
Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so we may air them both in our normal public service announcements and this program. You can email us at vets at wjffradio.org. Leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Until our next formation, this is Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed. Now we leave you tonight with a blast from the past. Some of you may remember Red Skelton. Well, like other performers of that era, his comedy was simple and truly funny. In this vignette, he explains our Pledge of Allegiance in very simple terms. And we would do well to teach this lesson in every school today. Good night. When I was a small boy in Vincennes, Indiana, I heard, I think, one of the most outstanding speeches I ever heard in my life. I think it compares with the Sermon on the Mount, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, and Socrates' speech to the students. We had just finished reciting the Pledge of Allegiance, and he called us all together, and he says, uh, boys and girls, I have been listening to you recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems that it has become monotonous to you. Or could it be you do not understand the meaning of each word? If I may, I would like to recite the Pledge and give you a definition for each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly good to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, oh glory, a symbol of courage, and wherever she waves there is respect because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. Of the united, that means we have all come together. States, individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose all divided by imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common cause, and that's love of country, of America. And to the republic, a republic, a sovereign state in which power is invested into the representatives chosen by the people to govern, and the government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power for one to live his own life without fears, threats, or any sort of retaliation and justice. The principle and qualities of dealing fairly with others for all 
for all. That means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. Now let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that be eliminated from our schools too?